1: Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Englehart, racing's regular
0: guy. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and I am back in the driver's seat for the night for the absent John Englehart. He's going to be back next week. And trust you me, he will be back in fine fashion doing what he does best. Used to do this for quite a while and kind of miss it greatly. John does an incredible job. Had the pleasure and honor of working with him for a number of years. So I'm going to try to hold on to the driver's driver's wheel here and see if we can uh, keep his head right out of the ditches and have a whole lot of fun. It's an honor to be back with you this evening. Thanks for allowing me to do that. We're going to talk some horses. We're going to discuss the industry at large and have on a few guests, as John always does. So sit back, enjoy, get your pins out, as you don't want to miss any of the handicapping later on in tonight's show, as usual. What we're going to do tonight, we're going to do some results from the marquee races that took place last weekend. And man, I am telling you what, it was a bevy of big-time racing action. We're going to recap that back up. We're going to have some news from the world of racing. Guest number one is going to be Tyler Picklesheimer, racing official, racing secretary, Colonial Downs, Turfway Park, everywhere in between. Tyler is one of the definite good guys of racing. And if you can't remember his name, just you better write it down in pen because he's going to be one of the people that uh, you'll see him take it to the next level. One of racing's good guys, Tyler Picklesimer. Been friends for, oh, wow, 20-plus years. But don't worry, I'll trip him up with that one and uh, see if he can remember. Good guy, and I think you're going to definitely enjoy that. Join us at the bottom of the hour is an old friend to our show. That is Mr. Dangerous Dan Moore, and he is now setting up TAC in Florida, and he's making all his wagers down there. He's going to give out some selections for the weekend. So we're going to do some marquee races, talk about some news from the wide world of racing. Tyler Picklesheimer and our good man Dangerous Dan, we got a whole lot of action going on. And as I said before, if you're looking for John, he has just gone tonight, and he will be back next week in fine fashion. All right, let's kick it up with last week's racing action, September 15th. We'll go north of the border of Woodbine, race number six in the Thomas Stakes. It was a grade two mile on the turf. And if you had Spring Venture, you had a winner. Patrick Husbands, no stranger indeed to Woodbine, wins by a length in three parts, broke inward well in hand, paying $6.90 to win for Mark Cassie Barn. Patrick Husbands, quite quite the Woodbine rider. He knows the Oval very well. On to race number nine at Woodbine, we have the Summer Stakes, a mile on the Greensward, and we go right with I'm Bound to Score, Sarah Rook in the irons i believe that was a pickup mount for miss sarah rook running by a half a length held sway driving down the lane paying a whopping twenty three fifty to win for the troy rankin barn then woodbine the canadian stakes grade two event and barefoot lady was all about the winter circle with david moran in the irons winning by a length and a half bobbled Led late and was down the lane driving. It was tooth and nail. Uh, Over all-star, hard but barefoot. Lady wins by a length and a half prevailing at the wire. Paying 16 40 to win for the Richard Fahey Barn. Then we had the Ontario Derby, a grade three event. A mile and an eighth on the all-weather track. Patrick Husbands once again to the winner's circle. Steel case. Wins by a hard length and a quarter. Off slow. Made a very nice bid in mid-stretch driving down the lane over any given royal patrick husband's uh... as i said before no stranger to the woodbine service you can never leave him out anytime you've got multiple gimmicks or you're gonna stretch out for a pick three pick four always throw patrick husband's in their steel case paying six twenty to win for Mark cassie again once again no stranger there and then we have the northern dancer turf a grade one event a mile and a half On the side, and, man, I'll tell you what, you definitely got your money's worth here, is Wigmore Hall wins by a dirty neck, all slow, made a bid at the 8th pole driving. Jamie Spencer in the irons. And if you think of Wigmore Hall, shipped up from Arlington Park, ran in the Arlington Million, and didn't... uh, didn't get the best of trips that day. Jamie Spencer definitely uh, put, gave them their money's worth here and put a neck in front right at the wire over Al Kali. And rounding out the try was Forte Marmy. And I'll tell you what, Wigmore Hall, 940 to win, definitely. Definitely one that uh, was worth the value there. Jamie Spencer gave an incredible ride. Then we go on to the Rico Woodbine Mile. It's a great one, a mile on the greensward. Wise Dan, Johnny Velasquez, Johnny V in town, wins by three and a quarter lengths, led at the top of the stretch, driving, and just put it away. Charlie Lapresti is the trainer here. I believe Claire Novak said it best as a, as a horse for all courses. Polytrack, dirt. Turf. I think Wise Dan's going to give him trouble right around Breeders' Cup time. Whole lot of fun there. And I think I said Claire said it definitely best. And the reason I mentioned the allowance race, the eleventh race, on September 16th, it was our pick four that we gave out on Winning Punnies blog for twenty seven dollars. The one dollar ticket paid one hundred and ninety dollars and thirty cents. Twenty seven bucks. Got you that little piece of action there. Don't you worry tomorrow we're going to be giving out some pick fours check our blogs and you're definitely going to, want to get your easy win forms in hand as early as you possibly can to prepare for the weekend we're going to switch our tack we're going to go to belmont park on september 15th race number eight the noble damsel stakes grade three event a mile on the greensward winning this race naples bay jose lascano the turf machine himself wins by a length and a half, paying a sweet $28 to win for trainer Christoph Clement. What a rider indeed on the green. Once again, there's another fellow that you can't throw the New York scene as Jose Lescano on the grass. And then at Belmont Park, race number nine, the Garden City stakes it's a Grade one, a mile and an eighth on the inner turf. The turns are a little bit tighter, but, you know, they're really not as bad as as some courses where they really have to take a a hard left or or the final turn where, you know, they'll be on top by a half and then all of a sudden they're on top by three. They're a little kinder at Belmont. But winning on this mile and eighth on the inner turf was the three Samatar, Ramon Dominguez and the Irons winning by a head in definite Dominguez fashion. Three wide into the lane, digging in. Somali lemonade, Joel Rosario gave a real game chase, angling out four wide and was denied by Samatar. And I'll tell you what, you can't leave Dominguez out of anything, anywhere, anywhere he rides. You have definitely got to throw him in. Arlington Park. Yep, we're going to go to Chicagoland. On September 15th, the Pucker Up Stakes, a grade three event, a mile and an eighth on the turf. If you're hearing the same thing over and over, you're right. It was one heck of a weekend for turf racing. But winning the Pucker Up Stakes, a grade three event. Leading astray, Eduardo Perez wins by a neck over Miss Cato with Francisco Torres. I mean, they hit the wire, and I really didn't know how to call it. But Leading Astray wins and pays a whopping eighteen sixty to win for Chris Block, who is just a total terror on the Chicago Land Circuit. But Miss Cato is one to watch. Francisco Torres, every time he's up in the saddle. He moves horses up. You can quote me on that. Perez is a very nice turf rider. Torres, everything he's on, no matter if they're running on broken glass or sand, you can count him in the mix. Now we're going to shift our tack to Kentucky Downs. Yep, old Kentucky Downs, the undulating only European turf course in the nation. Race number seven was the Kentucky Downs Juvenile Phillies. Seven on the turf. They're all turf. Winner is Oscar Party, Kent Sleepy DeSormo in the irons, winning by three, sweeping move, clearing away lengths for the Wayne Catalano Barn, paying five twenty to win. Race number eight is the Kentucky Downs Juvenile Stakes. They're going to go seven on the turf as well there. Winner in race number eight, the Juvenile Ruler of Love from the Ten Post, Calvin Rail. Wins by three links going away, held sway, 1560 to win for trainer Joan Scott. Uh, Calvin does very well, and I have to say, that horse shipped in from Arlington Park. Those, those, I mean, the meet is over, but Arlington horses do incredibly well. Chicago and Saratoga horses always do well for Kentucky Downs, so put that in your memory banks for next year. Also, Kentucky Downs race number nine, the Kentucky Cup Stakes, a great Three, a mile and a half on the undulating turf course, and boy, was this worth the price of admission? I owe you a big time. Jeffrey Sanchez in the irons, winning by a half length, dug in and held stubbornly down the lane, paying six forty to win. For who else? Chris Block. Where did they come from? Chicago and Arlington Park and that that is a guy that you always have to give his uh, his just due. I always have been a big fan of Chris Block and anytime anytime he brings one to the paddock. What's happening in the world of racing? Some good, some bad. We're going to start off with a little something. It's kind of a bitter pill. Say it ain't so. The Thoroughbred Times in bankruptcy ceasing operation 27 full-time employees of the Thoroughbred Times in Lexington, Kentucky, were notified Saturday morning they were without jobs as the company owned by Norman Ritker filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy and ceased operations effective immediately. The magazine launched 27 years ago this week, recently switched from a weekly format to twice monthly. It also published the Thoroughbred Times Today electronic newsletter, the stallion directory, buyer's guide, a website, and Thoroughbredtimes.com. Mark Simon, who launched who helped launch the Publication 85 with the late Richard F. Broadbent III, except for a brief period in 92 when the magazine was owned by Peter Brandt, served as its only chief editor. He said he learned of the bankruptcy filing and shuttering on Saturday morning in a letter from Ritker that arrived via Federal Express. Other employees learned the same way. The company laid off five workers in their art art department and production department two weeks ago, Simon was shocked. He thought the way that it was handled, it was a little abrupt, it was a little tough, and all fingers are crossed that someone out there, someone smart in the game, is actually going to grab a hold of this publication and make it happen. There are times, I hope it is very short-lived and you have new ownership, because there's a lot of talented people that put out many, many great articles and keep us informed. Turning the coin here, let's get into something a little happier. Congrats to Jonathan Shepard. Win number 3,000 reached the milestone on September 17th when he saddled Fugitive Angel to win by a neck in the 7th of Delaware. Shepard's accomplishments came with a 5-year-old Pennsylvania bred in a $75,000 allowance optional event. It was nice to win for Mr. Strawbridge, he said, because he's been one of my biggest and longest lasting owners since I started, said Shepard. I trained for at least 25 different owners, and it was nice. The 3000th winner turned out to be one of his. Congratulations, and what a true treasure to racing, and what a real gentleman he is, Mr. Shepard. We got a little north of the border action. And somebody reached her one thousandth win. That is Emma Jane Wilson, champion jockey, collected her thousandth lifetime scoreboard to Wildcat Gold in Sunday's final race. Emma Jane, I think there's many more coming your way. And I think that uh I think a thousand is only going to be just the beginning of uh, where we can uh, where we can actually see your you're, you're, up. you're playing your trade very well. I'm looking right at the picture. You've got a glowing smile. Emma Jane Wilson, one to be reckoned with, especially up at, uh, Woodbine. For those that really don't follow the, uh, the course that often, they have some incredible riders there. Uh, Eureka Da Silva, Patrick Husbands is, as you've heard me say, Emma Jane. I'll tell you what, she's as tough as a nickel steak. And I love the picture here. It's actually on the, uh, on, <laughs> in the winter circle with a thousand wind, uh, sign right above her head and her her face is worth a million dollars. A little bit more closer to home in the northern Kentucky area, a jockey rides up on 6,000 victories. That is Perry Utes, 58 years young, having one of the best seasons to date. On April second, 1973, a 19-year-old jockey named Perry Utes stepped into the winner's circle for the first time on a horse named Rablu at Beulah Park near Columbus, Ohio. 58, he's enjoying one of the best years of his career, nearing a milestone achieved by few others in the history of racing. He's currently riding the Fall Mita Turfway Park, and with three wins on Sunday, Utes is five wins away from becoming the 17th jockey ever, with 6,000 career victories. And you know, we're going to be talking to a gentleman here momentarily, and we're going to be uh, seeing if there's any Perry Uts updates for this evening. that will be one Mr. Tyler Pickersheimer. So there you have it. You've got a little bit of a recap of what's happening. You've got some good things. You've got The Thoroughbred Times say it ain't so, and I hope it is short-lived. But trust you me, good things have a way of coming around, especially in Lexington, Kentucky. I know that they will. Well, it is time to head out to our first break. And when we return, we're going to be chatting with Tyler Picklesheimer, a man of racing and one of racing's good guys, here on Winning Ponies.
1: internet flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track Fantasy sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game.
2: It is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep
0: right field. That goes O'Neal. He's has Got it. With 2.8 seconds He's left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From
1: high school to the pros, we, <laughs> we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard.
3: Voice America Sports.
0: And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and I'm sitting in the hot seat for one Mr. John Englehart. But Fred not he shall return next week. It is an honor, all of mine, and I'm very glad to be back and doing this once again. Thank you for allowing me to take time to be with you. Joining me now as our first guest is a very good friend of mine. I've known him for, who it's been over 20-plus years. He is a man of racing, a guy uh, that wears many hats and, I'd hate to pay his gas and travel money, but he's uh, definitely one of the good guys in racing, and he's been uh, everywhere near and far. Joining me right now is Mr. Tyler Picklesimer. Tyler, good evening, Welcome to Wing Ponies.
2: Yeah, hey, how are you doing? Uh, good to good to hear from you. Uh, thanks it, for having me
0: tonight. Well, thank you for taking time to uh, to join us. You know, has it been twenty plus years? I, I was
2: quickly doing the math in my head. I think you're pretty close, uh, <laughs> give or take. Uh yeah, time flies, huh? Scary.
0: <laughs> yes, it does. And We only count it by gray hair and how thick our, our glasses are getting.
2: Exactly. I went to the contacts. I couldn't <laughs> take it anymore.
0: You're, you're smarter than I. Tyler, where do we find you at this moment as I'm sitting here watching TVG? Where do we find you right now?
2: We're at uh, Turfway Park, settling in for the, uh, the fall meet and... We've got about five days of entries left and, uh, starting to pick up a little bit entry-wise since, uh, since Kentucky Downs is closed. So, uh, we should end the meet on a, on a good note.
0: Well, and, and I surely hope so. Uh, before actually you mentioned Kentucky Downs, I've read something really incre- incredible from the Courier Journal about uh, someone that you work uh, near and dear close with. But you know, Tyler, Turfways weathered some severe storms in the past. A few weeks ago, it was evident, as uh, the Horsemen and Turfway Management came together and they put on a blockbuster fan appreciation day, and I mean, it was, it was personified, more cooperation is needed, because there were a lot of people there. I was out there and I was doing a little, little uh, having fun of working in their fan appreciation tent. The Horsemen and Turfway Park came together, and I think it really opened the doors.
2: Oh no doubt and it's one of those things I hopefully we'll see more of in the future um, you know we We sort of lose uh you know the weather to to do those types of events uh, throughout the winter, but hopefully in the spring um we'll be able to you know do something again uh, you know to bring bring the people out and, and uh, you know show them what we do here and and what uh, what racing is about.
0: Turfway Park puts on a top-notch act, uh, no matter what the circumstances, they've always held their head high, and I can tell you, uh, Tyler, I was right there, and the horseman, I was with Mr. Dave England, who's a great emissary for the horsemen, and he was right there with Turfway Management, they came together, a lot of people had a lot of fun, and if you missed out uh, too bad, put it on your barking for next year, hopefully, and uh, for down the road in the springtime, as you said. But you made mention of two magic words, Kentucky Downs Racetrack. And I read this great article from the Courier-Journal, and it happens to be someone that I believe that you work with pretty closely. I'm going to call it girl power. And this talks about your good friend, Tia Murphy, 34, is Kentucky's first female racing secretary after 12 years as a racing official.
2: Yeah, no, Tia does an excellent job. We've uh, we've sort of taken Tia and, and uh, brought her through the – through the process and molded her, and, and no, she's uh, she's an excellent official, and uh, you know she the opportunity presented itself, and she, she did an excellent job down there, and you know we expect nothing less from her. Um, you know she's she's pleasant, she's she's intelligent, and um, put a good crew together down there, and uh, you know the, the person money was good, and it was just sort of the perfect storm, everything sort of came together, and and uh, she had a, you know successful meet.
0: What a start for the young lady. They handled over $7,570,000, 101% over total handled for 2011. That is incredible.
2: Yep. Now they, you know, it's, uh, all, the, you know, the turf that people come out of the, you know, they drop out of the sky to bet the turf and, and, uh, you know, Kentucky Downs, we're sort of in the same, same situation. Um, you know, as far as turf, we go to our Kentucky the Colonial Downs, I'm sorry. Um, you know, we drove last year we ran in, in a thirty two day meet, uh, eighteen dirt races. So, you know, uh similar uh similar setup there with uh with the dirt angle.
0: Colonial Downs from a handicapping standpoint, I know that uh, you're, you're, you've never been a two dollar wager, and especially running the the racing show. There's no better place for a, a grass handicapper than to watch the entire Colonial Downs meet. It it's just it looks to be an incredible lush course. I've never had the pleasure of being there in person. Hopefully, I will. But uh, well, we, it we, we had an the invite
2: last year and uh, it didn't work out. But uh, yeah, we'll get you down next year if you can make
0: it. Well, we'll, <laughs> well uh, you, right you know what? I'll only come if Derbyville will show up.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, I want, want to go head-to-head head head he, with he, the he, he man with the for the, uh, the hot-dog eating contest, but the... <laughs> uh, you
3: know uh, what? <laughs> say, I we'll won't we'll get, get you
2: on the air with uh, Stan Salter and see if we get Derby to come out and, uh, you know, have, uh,
0: have the big... Uh, the big handicapping festival. And, oh, you know what? When you said big, yes, you have that correct. That's right. Yes, you have that correct. <laughs> Tyler, we've been friends for 20-plus years, as we were talking about. And, and to me, your schedule is still hard to, hard to follow. Starting at the first of the year, give us kind of a little bit of a recap of where you're going to be going, where you're heading, and what you're going to be doing.
2: Uh, January will be here home sweet home. Turfway Park we will uh, be here through the meet. Then I'll head to Virginia, uh, first part of April uh be there through the Colonial Downs meet which will end uh the end of July. Uh come home. Uh actually this year I ended up going to uh Ellis Park and, and working for one of the stewards down there the uh the last month of the meet. But um usually typically I'm off in in August and then uh start back at Turfway in uh September, October at Keeneland, November at Churchill and then
0: back to Turfway for a long winter's nap. So it's, Wow, uh, I'll tell you really what good. uh It'd be, it, you You must write this down about 20 times just to remember where you're going to be actually waking up.
2: As long as the tax man figures it out, that's all right.
0: That's, uh... <laughs> and and he, he follows you with a closed spectacle. Hey, I wanted to give you a little bit of an alert uh, for Keeneland for your first stop. There's a writer by the name of Paco Lopez going to be heading down to Keeneland and try Churchill. This guy can tear them apart. He had a very successful 2012 meeting at Mammoth. I've been a big fan of watching Paco Lopez. Uh, he's very happy. Business is good, and uh, he went past the thousand mark in career victories. He's earned more than 29 million from 5,300 mounts. Uh, this guy is the real deal. So I want you to put him on your uh, your scope of good guys to watch.
2: Very good. Now yeah, well, I'm definitely stop down and introduce myself. Telling me, uh, you know, he's, he's coming to the right spot. I mean, Keelan, that's uh... You know, the fall to Keeneland doesn't get much better. So uh, hopefully hopefully he'll he'll have a good meet.
0: Agreed. Uh they they just put on a show of, uh, that is just really, really hard to chase and everything at Keeneland has just run top notch. Tyler, you've been around everywhere. Yeah, I mean Little River Downs, Beuly, you tattoo horses, you name it, you've done it if you had a bucket list of a few tracks that you'd like to work, now, I mean, you work at some beautiful tracks, Keeneland, Colonial, uh, you know, Turfway, uh, Churchill, I mean, you're everywhere, but do you have any bucket list tracks that you'd like to bounce to?
2: Well, you know, at some point, uh, I'd like to make the stop at, uh, you know, Saratoga and, and Del Mar, I think it'd be tough to, to you know, exclude those if you've got uh, wish list tracks to work at. Um, you know, but uh, it, it's not so much the, the tracks, maybe working with, with anymore. It it's more an opportunity to work with, with certain people. You know, I was fortunate to you know, work for racing secretaries like Howard Botts and Jerry Battle or um Howard Botts and uh Howard Battle and Jerry Botts, sorry about that, I flipped. And uh you know, I worked with Clinton Fitz this summer at uh at um Colonial Downs, he was one of the stewards uh, and um you know, he was uh former former jockey club steward and uh steward in Hong Kong and Maryland Jockey. Club. So so guys like that um, you know, you, you just learn so much from those guys that have been around and, and seen the game change, you know, two or three times <laughs> throughout their career. And, yes. uh, you know, I say more, more more so working with the people than, than the tracks necessarily.
0: And I'm going to throw in a name that uh, you should be ashamed of for missing. That is your father, Richard Lee. And uh, I believe you've uh, learned a, a trick or two and uh, the right way to do things from uh, dear old dad.
2: Oh, no doubt. I mean, you know, we've been very fortunate. Like I say, we, uh, Rick and, and, and Ben Huffman and, um, you know, like, uh, Howard and, uh, and Jerry, you know, Howard, Jerry, you know, both, both, uh, passed away. But, you know, the, the, the limited time, you know, that, that you got to work for those guys, you, you just, you, know, you start to look at things from a different angle, a different perception. And, um, you know, I think that's, uh, we, we're sort of missing some of that, um, in the game today.
0: Well, it most definitely uh, is reflective and in- and uh, no matter where you work, uh, you, you you work with some quality people. And you made mention of Ben Huffman, uh, uh, what, one of my uh, one of my favorites that I've actually met along the way, and what a guy! Just uh, what what a true true man in racing, and it's always it's always a lot of fun, you know, getting to see people. Long ago, I can remember when he was just a part of the team. Now he's actually one of the the lead sled dogs, and he's making things happen. And uh, Ben's, Ben's a very good man for racing. Tyler, I'm going to give you a little change-up pitch here. I know you're a baseball man, and uh, it's, it's a little time to get personal. I don't know if you can handle it. Uh, it might give you a little more gray hair. But uh, are you ready for the fast five questions? Sure. All right. Number uno. Where is your favorite place to eat, home or on the road? Ooh. Um, hmm.
2: I'm going to say on the road uh, it would be, um, oh, what is it? Uh, the, uh, I can't think of the name of uh, the in louisville the oh it's a steakhouse and uh, Chris.
0: Uh,
2: no 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 um fifth uh, order i'm sorry come on man it's all oh, i'm i'm i'm, I'm locked in the brain here uh <laughs>
0: all right we'll go el coyote you know, i can i can go for el coyote and at home uh, it's probably mom's right exactly. exactly there we go good man number two now this doesn't get you in any dutch whatsoever Dirt or polytrack?
2: Um, depending on the season. I'm I'm am I've uh, winter racing. I think there's definitely a home for 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 uh, for poly track. and um I, you know we lose a lot of nights here without that. So I'm going to say winter racing. I would uh, much prefer the poly in the summer, uh, summer months. I would say uh, first preference would be turf, but then we'll go dirt.
0: Well, wow, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised there. I, I thought it'd be all Polly, but you know what? I like the explanation, especially the wintertime area there. Question three: Where do we find you on a rare day off? Ah,
2: uh, yikes! Um, just it's rare, in the it? house. It's, you know, just the <laughs> you, kind of you? you know, just uh, getting caught up on life.
0: There you go. And and do you still uh, make a visit to the golf course every once in a while?
2: Every
3: now
2: and then, not, much <laughs> not, not like as too, much as really you'd like.
0: Number four, favorite sports team. Um,
2: you know what? It's been uh, been years, but I'm sort of leaning toward the Cincinnati Reds these days.
0: Cincinnati um, Reds. I thought it'd be the Lloyd Juggernauts as uh, <laughs> they're doing very well in football. This being the football season, but we'll go with the Reds. Uh, they're looking uh, looking pretty uh, salty about this time of the year. Rounding out the five T, will racing make a stand? or will it eventually fade away to that 10-super track game that we once heard about, where there's going to be 10 super tracks, and the rest, the small to mid-sized tracks, just become simulcast parlors and fall by the wayside? Will racing make that stand?
2: I think racing's going to make the stand, but it's going to take a little more cooperation between um, the jurisdictions and uh, in, in, in the tracks, um, than then, probably we're seeing right now. And, you know, I think, uh, the racetracks are starting to realize and, and, and grasp that they need to, uh, work together with circuits and, uh, so everybody survives and, and everybody has a horse population to pull from. I think the horsemen are starting to see, uh, that, you know, race days are going to have to be cut back and trimmed a little bit, but to a point where hopefully they can still make a living and, and, uh, you know, prosper. So I, I think, I think in the long run, I think for everybody that's going to survive, it's just, everybody's going to have to get on the same page.
0: And a tall task it's going to be, but you know what? I'm with you. I'm I'm still pretty much an optimist that uh, we're going to be able to pull it all together, and at the end of the day, we're still going to be live kicking and doing what we love best. Tyler, on behalf of Winning Ponies, thanks for taking your time. Best of luck with the remainder of the Turfway Park Meet. On to Keeneland, on to Churchill. Hopefully you get a little rest along the way. And once again, thanks thanks for taking your time. Thanks for being with us, and thanks for informing our public.
2: Well, no, thanks for having me. It's, uh, Tyler, excellent. we'll be it's talking to you soon, my friend. End, and let uh, me say, if you need uh, you need any future bets, there, let me know. We'll uh, we'll make the future bet tour for you.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a winner, Tyler. Thanks so much, and thanks for your time. See you. Bye. That has been Tyler Picklesheimer, racing official, man of racing, wears many hats. Talking about a guy who wears hats. He's going to be joining me here right now. He's online. I mean, this guy wears a lot of hats. And, uh, mainly, uh, mainly they're good luck hats. And if I had to bet a dollar, they'd probably be a racetrack hat. Joining me now is Mr. Dangerous Dan Moore, longtime show guest, handicapper, and very good friend of mine. Dangerous Dan, are you there? Reunited, and it feels so good. What's up, Ed Oh, Man, oh, man. He, he, I thought it was going to be happy birthday, but you know what? Reunited, it is, man. We're, we're kind of kicking it back again, and, uh, you know, we're going to do some handicapping together. I, Hey, I told you going in that I wanted to hear what you had to say, so uh, I don't know if it's going to be reunited. I think I'm just going to be all ears with a pen in my hand. So, hey, I mentioned it to Tyler. What do you think about Paco Lopez going to be coming to Keeneland and Churchill? How do you think he'll stand?
3: I think he'll do well. Um, He's going to have some stiff competition there. It's not, you know, Mammoth
0: Park, but uh, he's got a pretty good clientele, and uh, I think he'll do well. I
3: think he'll do very well.
0: You know, I've been pretty impressed with him. Paco's very strong in the saddle. There's there's finesse riders like a Julian Le Peru and then there's riders like a Ramon Dominguez, who actually look like they're not overpowering, but they are in control. As I'm sitting here watching Turfway Park 6 race coming right down the line, and there's riders that are in control. And speaking of one that's in control at uh, Turfway Park and looking for 6,000 victories, a man you watched ride at Beulah River and Turfway, that's Perry Hughes, coming up on 6,000 victories. Isn't that incredible? It
3: is incredible. I remember uh, doing a regular guy show with you and John at River Downs when he was coming up on 5,000. And I spoke to Perry after that one day in the paddock, and I I said, how long are you going to go? And he he told me, he says, I want to get to 6 at least, and then we'll see what happens from there. I don't think he's going to hang up. I think he's going to keep going until his body says he can't go no more.
0: Well, you know, when you see him actually and he comes back, he, he's smallish. You know, he doesn't have to fight his weight, which really is a deterrent for so many riders just to hang up their tack and say, you know what, I've had enough. At 58, Dan, I mean, he's held together by a wing and a prayer. He's got the heart of an elephant. And this guy, he's so very quiet. A long sentence for Perry is, yes. I mean, he's very, very, he does always speaking on the track. Mike Bataglia had nothing but uh, uh, just words of, of greatness for Perry and, you know, how long he's plied his trade. And it's tougher to do, in my opinion, on the smaller time mobiles because, you know, you're writing cheap and conditioned claimers that usually don't hold up as long.
3: Exactly. And Ru- Russell Bay said the same thing. Um, it is tougher to do it on a smaller circuit than the bigger circuit. Now the competition might be better at the bigger circuits, but for what Perry's done and I've never heard no one ever say a bad word about the man who actually knew the man. And and he's just, you know, he these younger jocks need to look up to him and try to pick his brain because you don't ride 6000 winners by slacking off.
0: No you don't. And John Englehart. Actually, uh, I believe he was the one that, uh, kind of gave him the nickname Scoot and Boot in the northern Kentucky area. And it was also on all the major rags. They were talking about, you know, uh, names and, uh, names for riders and such. I believe a long time ago, John actually kind of gave the nod to him and he was there for the majority of Perry's career at Riverdance and still is. And he's still applying uh, his trade there. But, you know, I mean, what, is there a better speed rider on the local scene? No, there's not. And the one thing I used to do, when I lived in Florida
3: before now, a few years ago, when I would be betting Turfway in the winter, I would use zoots in, on almost all my tickets just because he wasn't afraid to ride in the cold. It would be 15 degrees, and the, you'd see the jocks come out, and they'd look cold, and perry come walking out like, like he's coming out in 90-degree in weather, and uh, that's the one thing. He, he, he could ride in the cold. He could ride in the slop. He, he's just an all-around jockey and all-around good guy, Ed.
0: He gave you your money's worth each and every time. I, I, I have a tongue-in-cheek, and then we're going to jump into uh, an article by uh, a good friend of yours, uh, Mr. Dick Girardi, that uh, that I picked up on. And uh, before we actually start handicapping, I'm at Beulah Park about 110 years ago. And uh, myself and two other gentlemen were there. We made a large, but on perry five to one at Beulah. The horse must have had two legs. Perry wins going away, but there was a little bit of bumping and scraping, so we walked outside there, and you're, you're within three feet of hearing Perry on the, here on the phone, as honest as he is. Usually this is when jockeys plead their case, and they start making up, I'm not going to say fibs or lies, but they kind of gild the lily a little bit. Perry said, yep, I hit him. Yep, I came out on him. Yep, I did it. <laughs> Down he came. Five to one. I, I don't think I'll ever see five to one on Perry Use again at Buell.
3: It's hard to get five to one on oots anywhere nowadays.
0: Good point, Danny. I was reading Dick Girardi's article, uh, and he's been on the show in the past. This is philly.com. It said over $3 million for parks racing for the card. It said when Pennsylvania legalized horse racing a half century ago, nobody would have envisioned a day quite like this at parks racing, a.k.a. Philadelphia Park or the Fa. PHA, as they call it, it'll mark the first time in American racing outside the Breeders' Cup. There's going to be two $1 million races on the same card. They're going to have a $300,000 stake and a 100000 stake in addition to that. I mean, it is a bevy of action, and Dick Girardi brought that up. I have the greatest respect. Actually, you were the one that said, Ed, you know, you really need to talk to Dick Girardi.
3: Yeah, uh, Dick Girardi, I've never really met him. I've talked to him a couple times, but he was a good friend of mine. Yeah, uh, he was a good friend of of a friend of mine, Chris, who uh, passed away a few years ago. And um <clears throat> Dick is uh Dick is a is one of the best turf riders in the country, if not the best. Um and seeing Philadelphia Park go from from uh you know, from where they were to where they are now just shows what alternative gaming can do to a racetrack. And you know, Kentucky needs to wake up. They need to get these laws passed, they need to get this turned around or it's it's going to be devastating it's already devastating but it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better if they don't do something
0: agreed i mean they've got they've got a tough they've got a tough stance danny and you know as i was just talking with uh, tyler Picklesheimer and i don't know if you heard any part of that tyler's optimistic he's hopeful i mean if uh, ellis park just sold a 30 percent interest to saratoga harness so they've got, uh, they've got a, a bevy of instant racing machines that are going to make, they're just going to be cash generators for the purse account, which means you're going to have fuller fields, bigger races, and Ellis Park is going to survive. I mean, there has to be something that, that happens, whether it's a legislative move or even uh, Kentucky Downs. They're 101% over 2011 in handle, which was incredible. I look for the same out of Ellis Park. I, I don't know your feelings on that, but I think instant racing, I can't say it's the answer all, but it sure looks like a pretty good Band-Aid. Yeah, I'm being here in Florida for the past couple of years, Ed, I'm, you know, the one thing I've noticed is
3: the, the purses are good, the horses are good, and I see, you know, horse players around me that won't play, you know, Kentucky tracks because, especially like Turfway and Ellis, places where I learned how to handicap, where I learned this game, because of the short fields, and, and it really it really hurts you. And it's like I don't blame them though. It's you know I used to not play Hollywood when they would have all these five horse fields all the time. It used to drive me crazy, and and I can't you can't blame the simulcast past, patrons from other states when they see what's happening to not put their money into them races. Now, if they can get it turned around, I remember in the fall meet at Turfway where I used to bump into Dwayne Lucas going through the door. You know, and and you remember what it was like? Yeah, you worked there then. You remember what it was like? The fall meets were spectacular.
0: And to see where it was and where it is now, it's really sad. It it really hurts. I don't think it's uh, for a lack of just wanting to do the wrong thing. You have to make some financial moves in any type of business uh, that you're in. They had to opt to scrap the Kentucky Cup card, even the WinStar, was a major sponsor of the Kentucky Cup Day of Champions. We saw Point Given, who really sticks out in my mind. When you talked about D. Wayne Lucas, he was on a radio show, and I can remember Gary Stevens, Jerry Bailey. I I remember the who's who. Turfway in the fall was the place to be. It was actually the springboard leading right into Keeneland. Yeah, and a lot of horses from Saratoga that were stable to Saratoga would stop
3: at Turfway before the Keeneland meet, I remember, you remember when Wild Rush dead-heated? I can't remember who he dead-heated with, but he dead-heated in the Kentucky. Awesome Valley. again? Yes, it was. I believe it was him. And, you know, and I also remember when the devil with Calvin Burrell beat Cat <laughs> and then Cat Thief wins the classic four weeks later. So, yes. it, it's, I remember them days. Them were some good races,
0: and I hope they can get it turned around and, and make that happen again. It'll be a whole lot of fun, Danny. And speaking of a whole lot of fun, it's, like you said, reunited again. It's, it's good to be talking horses with you, industry doings. And when you find someone that's actually passionate about, uh, about the game, you're just not a $2 player on a Saturday. You follow it throughout the week. You read on it. You know about it. Even if you're not playing, you keep up on it. That's, that's where the real, the, the fantastic friendships that you, you build over the course of years. But, you know what? It's time for the feet to the fire. It is that time, which I know that you love, and we're going to start off at Parks, a.k.a. Philadelphia Park. It will always be in many people's mind. The 10th race at Parks, a mile and 16th, the grade one cotillion, a million dollars up for grabs, Danny Boy.
3: Yeah, there's only four horses in here, though, Ed. Um, Betting-wise, probably not a not a really good betting race, but if you're a fan of the game, this is a really good race. I like mi- my Miss Aurelia and Questing. I'm going to take my Miss Aurelia on top. Undefeated, uh, already has a winner for Questing. But Questing, she seems to be getting it together. She she uh, she likes she doesn't like the whip, that's one thing. But she, she's a very impressive filly, and I think my Miss Aurelia, if she is going to get beat, I think Questing is the one to do it. But I'm sticking with my Miss Aurelia, Ed.
0: I, I absolutely agree. Uh, it's uh, Stone Street Stable and George Bolton. Corey Nakitani in a saddle for Steve Asbussen. As you said, five starts, five wins from this three-year-old filly by Smart Strike. Dan uh, wins the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies last year at Churchill Downs. Has a nice prep race from November 4th all the way to August 8th. You talk about some beautiful time off. Comes back to Saratoga going six and a half. It wins by three going away. I believe that was an incredible prep. I've been training lights out and... Two, two off of the uh, off of the layoff, I think, Asmus, and that's one of his stronger suits. I, I believe what you're saying about questing is correct. Kier McLaughlin actually comes into the day, and, and I think he's holding some really heavy cards. Three back, you've got an optional claiming 25 for questing, then jumps into the grade one coaching club, America Oaks, and wins, and then comes right back and wins the Alabama. You Ortiz in the irons for Kieran McLaughlin. I think it's a two-horse race, and as you said, there are four. There's only it is a compact field of four, and if it serves me correctly, six percent goes to four. Six percent of a million bucks, would you take it? Yes, I would. I wish I had a horse to enter. Yes, I'll tell you what, you've also got Dixie Strike with Dominguez for Cassie, who's an Ontario bred and also Momus and Dixie, Jose Les for James Toner. It's an exciting race, but I agree completely. My Miss Aurelia gets my $2. And also, don't forget that race number eight in the Alphabet Soup $100,000 race kicks off the pick four. Which I'm going to be putting out some selections. Last week had a little bit of luck, Dan, and uh, and cut a hundred ninety dollar pick four. And then in the ninth race, there's a three hundred thousand dollar race in the Gallant Bob. And if you're a big fan of Trinityburg, nine to five there. You know th- this could be a smaller ticket, which you could actually probably stretch out.
3: Yeah, if you like Trinnyberg, Trinnyberg seems to me to be tailing off a little bit, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me if he won. At all, and I know I got a friend of mine down here named Chalky Charlie. He'll love to play that
0: pit four on Saturday. Ed, <laughs> I love I love the name Chalky Charlie. All right, 11th at Parks, a mile and an eighth of Pennsylvania Derby. It's a grade two event for a million bucks. Danny, this is kind of a rubber match here between Alpha and Golden Ticket. They're going to go a mile and an eighth. It's a very sweet distance, and there's enough horses going. There's a few more than four going postward, as there is a total of eight. And who do you come out in this rubber match?
3: I'm going to go with Alpha. Uh, There's a few horses I like whipping. I like Alpha just because he doesn't like to lose. And he always puts on a good performance. He might be the chalk. Golden Ticket ran a heck of a race to dead heat with him and the Travers. I'm telling you what, Ed. I'm going to take Alpha over Macho Macho. The West Virginia Derby was not as bad as what people might think. And another horse, this horse was on my triple crown radar before an injury, Stefanozzi. Stefanozzi is 12 to 1. And Stefanozi, if she run, or he runs to his breeding and runs like he did before the injury, he's going to have an out, a say in this outcome. And I'm going to use Golden Ticket as well. But that's the four I love. Ed and Stefanozzi may not win Saturday, but look for this horse down the road. This this is a very talented horse.
0: It makes it that much easier when you start talking about things that are near and dear to my heart. I love Alpha. I love the cutback from a mile and a quarter to a mile and an eighth. And last time Dead Heating ran a yeoman's test. This is a three old quote by Bernardini. And Kieran McLaughlin has been talking about Alpha and they've they've been training on the poly track. On the synthetic oval, and they're coming back to the dirt. In my heart of hearts, I love to see this move. I believe the poly or synthetic tightens them up. It kind of puts all the all the screws in place where it needs to be. Shot two bullet workouts in a row. You get Ramon Dominguez and the Irish from McLaughlin, and they're winning thirty six percent on the year. Two for two in the money at the distance. I like the cutback, and and I th- I think that's going to be a real a real big play there, Danny Boy. And uh, you know, I, I'd like to say that. Uh, uh, that maybe one of your other prices can actually sneak in there because I really I'm not going to be a big fan of uh, two chalksters, but I'd love to see uh, I'd love to see uh, maybe your Stefanoski. I think that the price is right there.
3: I do believe Stefanoski is either a half or a full to Shackleford. I um, might have to check that out, but uh, I know they have the same dam, so uh, wow. They uh, yeah, and this, this this horse was on my radar, and then he got hurt. Uh, I was I was. Really wanting to see how well he would run after his his last win, he he went on the shelf. He came back. He came back and won again uh, since since being off with the injury. So I think the horse is fit. Alpha though could end up being the alpha male. Ed,
0: ooh, I like the, I like what you're saying there. If I can get nine to five on Alpha, I I'd, I'd consider that a pretty good gift. Yeah, I would too, Ed. Definitely. Seventh of Delaware, Danny Boy. We're going to switch up, and we're going to move it a little bit. We're going to go the seventh of Delaware, a mile and an eighth on the weeds. It's the grade three, the Kent Stakes for 200000 bucks, a mile and an eighth on the Greensward. Lead on, my boy.
3: I'm going to go with Lucky
0: Chappie, and The Ireland Bread by, trained by Grand
3: Motion, ran by Jeremy Rose. Horse face tougher, last out was the beaten favorite, Saratoga. Jockey trainers, 27%. I like this horse head, and I think with a a semi-decent trip, this horse gets all the money.
0: Oh, I, I, I once again, I agree with you with this Irish bread here by by High Chaparral, three-year-old cult by High Chaparral, uh, by uh, by Sadler's Wells. I mean, this is a turf machine right here. Jeremy Rose, I believe, is uh, one of the more underrated riders on the on the uh, East Coast and uh, in the Maryland area. But Jeremy Rose does a yeoman's task here. right in the Saranac at the Saratoga, and sometimes, Danny, it, it's an inner turf race and. Sometimes that inner turf, as I mentioned earlier, can be a little tighter turn, but you're not going to have that time here uh, going in there. You're going to get a little bit more of a sweeping run. If you drop back one more race in the Colonial effort in the Virginia Derby, came on like gangbusters over a yielding turf course. I love Lucky, Chappie gram motion, 116 pounds. I don't know what more you can ask for. And you're getting three to one. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a pretty good task there. Actually, it's shaped out to be a, a very nice field indeed. There's 11 going postward. And uh, somebody that you know kind of jumped out at me, and you're probably going to, you know, if it serves you correctly, would be Corinthians Jewel Paco Lopez, who I touched on, who won the restoration at Monmouth Park.
3: Yeah, I, I I I'm using him underneath. I think I think that the uh Lucky Chappie if if he gets any kind of decent trip, I think he's the he's the best horse in the race. Um another thing, Ed, is have you checked the weather report yet for up north? If it's a little soft I think it, it fits in the Lucky Chappie
0: having that Ireland bloodline, Ed. At Delaware Park, there's a 30% chance of thunderstorms, 81 degrees. And we're going to be heading up to New York next, where there's a 40% chance of thunderstorms and 77 beautiful degrees. And that is where we are going next, Danny Boy. And we're going to go to the ninth race at Belmont, 6 and a half furlongs, the grade two gallant bloom handicap, $200,000 up for grabs, six and a half once again, and post time 506. And, uh, I think the rain's gonna hold up 40%, uh, in New York. It's, we're not gonna cry over that. And, uh, I think there's some pretty nice runners in here as well. I'm, I'm gonna go with Turbulent Descent, Ed. She, uh, she's won
3: eight out of 12. You know, she, from the outside, she's gonna get a good trip from the outside stalking. And I believe she's the class of this field, and I think she'll add to her bankroll. Johnny Velasquez in the irons, I, I think that he's going to sit right off and make one run. You know, I saw CeCe's pal in the race. I feel like CeCe's pal, I believe, is a five-year-old, but it, it's like she's been running for eight years, it seems like. And <laughs> and uh, I think I think that she'll set the pace, and I think Turbulenza said's going to sit right off, and I think one run in the stretch, and I, I think she gets all the money.
0: I think there's plenty of speed in there with risky Rachel the eight mildly offensive. You got dust and diamonds Roman Treasure who's three for four at Belmont. I like your Turbulence ascent Johnny B and Pletcher making her second off and one for one in the money at Belmont beaten favorite which is always getting two bucks from me dropping in class. But Danny Boy in the same race. In the same race, I, I, I'm going to go not against you, but I'm actually going to probably box up with you, and that's the Ford Judy the Beauty, Joel Rosario for Wesley Ward. Wesley Ward came out and said this may be the fastest horse that he's trained, and he's had some killers out there, some real machines. This is a three-year-old filly by Ghost Sapper, six for six in the money, and just uh, it was a dirty nose short in the grade one prior rest, going six furlongs, his run on the turf the poly uh, broke a uh, broker maiden at keeneland that went to france and won by by a neck came back to run on the poly and win i'll tell you what she doesn't toss in a bad effort I, i'm a big joel rosario fan i, I keep wondering when he's going to shift back out to the west coast but judy the beauty at six to one danny boy i i don't know if you uh, if you really had a time to think about boxing those up but the, you know that really stuck out in my mind
3: I'm going to do a three horse box of Turbulent Descent, Judy the Beauty, and, uh, CC's Pal Ed. I, I think the I, I like, I like Judy the Beauty. Um, you know, you said that he's the fastest horse that he's ever trained. Yeah, it's like your, your kids though. You, if you're a trainer, you like all your horses. You ain't, go, oh, I don't, What have you ever heard a trainer say, I don't like this horse? <laughs>
2: they all, they all, That's a good point. They all
3: love, it's like picking a kid. It's like, you can't pick you. You know, you can't say I like this kid more than this kid. It, it's it's impossible to do. But that's what trainers do. And you know Wesley Ward is a hell of a trainer, Ed. And uh, Chalky Charlie loves him. And I know he'll be on Chalky Charlie's ticket, Ed. So he'll be on my ticket as well.
0: You tell Chalky Trolley I love his name, and he better uh, he better stamp that one down, or other people are going to be using that. I, I might be calling. Uh, I've been I've been referred to as Chalky yet a couple times if I I play a small price, but that, that's quite the racetrack name. There's a lot of colorful characters that go along with the, the racing game. Dan, uh, final question for you. you you're uh, reared in Northern Kentucky. You've uh, Keeneland, Churchill, Turfway Park, River Downs mainly uh, a, a lot of your home stomping ground. Now you set your tack up in Florida, do you miss this area?
3: Yeah, I, I do, Ed. There's,
0: you know, it's like I miss it,
3: but if I was up there, I'd miss this place, too. I need to become a snowbird, but I'm not <laughs> rich enough for that yet. But um, I do miss I, – I, I tell you what I miss. I miss the change of season. Um, and I, I miss the racing. I miss going and seeing live racing. Um, I'm about an hour and 20 minutes from Tampa Bay Downs. I try to make it over there as much as I can, but with a couple young ones and, uh you know, working and everything, you just can't get over there as, as many times as you would like to.
0: So, yeah, I do miss it very much. Well, we definitely miss you up here and you're, uh, it was, it was definitely a joy to, to have you on as well. And it's like, like you said, we reunited and had a, had, had quite the evening of a handicapping, talking industry, uh, uh, jibber jabber and it's always a pleasure. Danny, behalf of Winning Ponies and myself, thank you so much for taking your time. Best of luck this weekend and best of luck always, my friend. All right. I got a nickname for you, Ed. It's What's Even that? Money Ed. Even Money Ed. Even money, it. You know what? I'll take you it like and I'll that? run with it. Danny, have a good one, my friend. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right. That's been Dangerous Dan Moore. He joined us. We had Tyler Picklesimer. You know what? I've been kind of combing through. If you're wondering who the ten top jocks are and you've been scratching your head or looking for a Jeopardy question, leading the pack right now is Ramon Dominguez, Javier Castellano, John R. Velasquez, Rafael Bejarano, Joel Rosario, who I keep begging to go to the West Coast, Julian Le Peru, Jose Lescano, Jojo Talamo, Rosie Napradnik, and Junior Alvarado. And I'll tell you what, here's something that kind of caught my eye. If you're looking for riders that you're going to want to use in your exacta, Javier Castellano from 1,100 starts has 188 seconds and 172 thirds. So that means he finishes out... All the way to the wire. The top trainers: Pletcher, Baffert, Romans, Asmussen, Cassie, Chad Brown, Mott, McLaughlin, Hollendorfer, and Dutro. Those are your top trainers there. So that's what's happening out in the world of racing. If you're looking who's on top or who's leading who, I think you're going to want to definitely keep keep your eye on these guys here. Also, if you have time, go back and dig up Collins Ghost and read about the obituary of Pittsburgh Phil. And putting it in a nutshell, as we're pressed up for time here, it's good to take some time away from the races. It's good to follow. It's good to do your homework. But it's even more... It's even more important to take a little time down and appreciate the game in itself. It said, Pittsburghville was uh, one of the most uh, known known gamblers and horse players who started off life at ten dollars a week and once won eighty seven thousand dollars in a single race, and that was in the early nineteen hundreds. Definitely want to take a look at that. I love to go back and take a take a peek at Collins' goes for thoroughbred racing history. Take a look at the obituary. Of Pittsburgh, Phil. I don't think that uh, you'll put it down until you get to the end, like I did, because it it had me it had me riveted. Well, once again, thank you for joining in with us tonight here on Winning Ponies. John Engelhart's going to be back in the saddle next week, and until then, the horses are on the way back to the barn. Another day of racing is in the books. Don't forget to get your easy win forms in hand to be prepared for this weekend, every weekend, and as always, may your winners be many and your photos be few. Thank you for letting me join in again, everybody. Good luck and good night.
1: Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.